This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram at Electric Lighting Co. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. For five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit ArlenNest.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILD10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, family owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know. 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to five times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you and need no break-in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular hold pomade. And the best part is, 100% of all Fix Your Lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fix Your Lid products are available online at shopfyl.com, and they'll ship them right to your door. Fix Your Lid styling products, cruelty-free and proudly made in the USA. Welcome back to the Garage Built Podcast. As always, I am Jason Hallman, your host. Uh, this is a very interesting one. We sat down with Richie and his staff at Brandon Harley-Davidson. They are part of the Furman Harley-Davidson group of dealerships. And they are based in Brandon, just outside of Tampa. And if you've ever wondered what goes on inside a dealership, I think we all kind of look into the optics of that and think a little bit here and there and maybe kind of build our own story, our own backstory of, of what the folks inside the dealerships are like. But I think you're going to be very surprised to find out that they are very much the same in their line of thinking as the aftermarket is. They're very supportive of the aftermarket at Brandon Harley-Davidson. They're very supportive, obviously, of the factory. They're very loyal to the factory, and they're very loyal to their team. And that's what I wanted. That's, that's what I really took away from this was that they have a very unique team over at Brandon Harley Davidson. Most of the people that are there have been there for a long time. And I was surprised to hear that. And I was, I was actually, it was very refreshing. It was fun to talk to them. And then we spent the afternoon or excuse me, evening, just kind of chopping it up and asking them questions and talking to them about stuff. And it was their first podcast. And uh, we did it with myself, Richie and two of his staff members. 
and they both had very different jobs, but they all have the same goal. And, and that was what was, uh, that was something that I took away that was extremely, extremely positive from that. So I'm going to publish this episode today. I've got a couple more that I did while I was in Michigan on my Thanksgiving trip, my annual trip back to the Mitten. And um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed going over there. And there's going to be many more just like this one coming out. So I give you Richie and his team at Brandon Harley-Davidson. Don't forget, December 5th and 6th at the RP Funding Center, the Central Florida Wheels of Steel Indoor Custom Motorcycle Show with a Builder Invitational Go to cfwheelsofsteel.com, get your pre-show tickets for $10 per day. They're $12 at the door. It's $40 to show your motorcycle. That includes your pass for the weekend, so you're really only paying $20 to show your motorcycle. That is all I have for you today. Enjoy the show. Talk to you very soon. go back and what I'll do is I'll clean this up and I don't take out the uhs, I don't take out the ums, I don't take out that stuff. But what I do is I just try to make sure that we've got good like tapping. You'll hear that. Oh <laughs> shit. He, he's very fidgety and we should All right. just cuff him to the chair. <laughs> just just like what are we doing? Yeah we have Richie here from right now. He's handcuffed. Right, yeah. <laughs> he can't sit still. All right. And so, so I'm gonna end up probably going to all these style ones, but the, the audio is always better with the pod mic. So we'll just go around the table. Introduce yourself, please. Full name or no? Just yeah, with like Richie. 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 I'm at Brandon Harley Davidson. I'm here with Richie. Yes. Uh, my name is Cole. Cole. Jordan. Jordan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I just got to No, right? Yeah. I'm I not going to finger. Way. I'm not going to fingerprint you. <laughs> I'm not going right. to uh, no body cavity search. <laughs> Oh, dude. You already got, you guys already have the Harley Davidson dealer that's closer to me beat because you have free beer. <laughs> Which I didn't even think about it. I should have got myself another one for you. I would be more than happy to, to fill you up. Yeah, well, I'll wait till you're ready for one then, and we'll do that. It's not going to be so. long. <laughs> He's like, please stop. No, you're, you're fine, honestly. I probably should have got a mobile one over here. That's so, what I was thinking. Brandon Harley-Davidson's part of the Furman Group, and there's five dealerships, right? There's Brandon, Tampa, Newport Ritchie, there's Panama City Beach, and where's the fifth one at? Uh, Beach Shack. It's uh, general merchandise on the boardwalk. Okay, so there's, there's as far as delivering dealers or doing delivering vehicles and, and service departments, there's four dealers then? That's correct. Yeah. And correct. plus a five, so it's like kind of an apparel store, which mm -hmm. I've yes. seen. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a pretty common common business model. Yeah. And the Furman Group's been in business for like over 100 years from what I remember. That's correct. Yeah, so How many years, good. Richard? <laughs> 130? I think Is you're Oh wow! 130 years. I don't Sorry, know why I was, gonna, <laughs> I was going to guess a little bit less than that. But we, there's a big sign out front. <laughs> right, it should say it everywhere we look. Right. No, thank you guys for doing this. Honestly, this is the this is a big milestone for me because it's the first time I've got to sit down 
with individuals that work inside a dealership and be invited inside a dealership. And I'm, I'm glad it was Brandon Harley-Davidson that did it the first because you guys are such a big, uh, you guys have such a big digital footprint, you know, in the, in the Tampa Bay area. With having the two dealerships here, that gives you a lot of resources. And so I wanted to talk to you. I've got lots of questions. So one of the questions that I want to talk about is um, I want to talk about the live wire. I want to talk about the king of the baggers. Okay. I want to talk about, uh, uh-oh, I struck a nerve with somebody over here. No one to talk about. Is that what we're baggers. doing? <laughs> so are you not a bagger fan? No, I'm a huge bagger fan. I just was not very excited about the outcome of the race. Same. Okay, so you're not, okay, so you weren't, you weren't pleased with number one and two, but if you look at the amount of money that was thrown at that, because there was a press, press release that was just released uh, a couple of days ago about Harley-Davidson pulling funding out of the, uh, the racing team and parting ways with Vance and Hines after a long after a long relationship. So let's just start there and talk about the king of the baggers. I mean, second place, it was the first time it was an exhibition run. And we both, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, Indians spent a lot of money to have those bikes completed for that race. And they did, and it was actually really cool to watch them because if you watched Indian during the qualifying, they had a bunch of issues, especially going down the S's in the back bit of the track because the bike just kept bottoming out. And it was really cool to watch them, you know, during practicing and qualifying, figure out what the issue is, and then race day, without even testing the new suspension setup, they come out and they just kind of, you know. Rocketed. Yeah, and, it, <laughs> and it, it wasn't a surprising thing. You know, me working for Harley, obviously I want Harley to win. But coming from the, the racing background that I have, it was just really cool to see bikes out there that, in the first place, you, whenever you think of race bikes, you think of, you know, Yamaha, Hondas, like all those right. big names like that. You never really think of Harley and it, Indian being involved in a head-to-head -head battle, but it was cool to see companies out there that are, you know, going way above and beyond just to kind of be like, hey, this is what we can do, um, especially some of the companies like Trask, the, the exhaust company and stuff like that. They went out and did a full-blown turbo bike. Yeah, and in, in the course of doing that that weekend, I mean, it was a weekend-long deal at, at Laguna Seca, and I mean, it was very well-funded. It was very well, I mean, I think they did a good job overall as an exhibition thing, but what I think what we've got out of that is we've got some attention. Because people give me a hard time all the time because I really, really like uh, the FXRs, the baggers. Um, that's what I more gravitate to. And the new Softail is far and away a performance bike where the other Softail really wasn't considered that just based on the... We designed the frame, monoshock suspension, uh, and some of the motors front ends, uh, dual caliper braking system, um, in collaboration with Brembo. So, yeah, I think they put a lot of thought and effort behind it. Yeah, well, Harvey hardly stepped up incredibly. Um, if you look at the the arc of way things went, I mean, really, I don't think people associated. There's always been a drag racing, you know, component to what Harley Davidson has mm -hmm. done, at least for the last good 55 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it was typically Sportsters because they had the corrected valve train angle and things like that. And they own the marketplace. I mean, they were the only American V-Twin that really did anything with any, you know, stick to itiveness. I mean, they were always there year after year after year. And so when you see these companies come up in the late 90s, like uh, the Gilroy Indians, the Big Dogs, the Titans, those things, those weren't really performance bikes. That was filling a niche of like the chopper scene, right? And the chopper scene, I call that era, era the gold rush, you know, where you saw Jesse James on TV, you saw Billy Lane on TV. But those, again, those weren't performance bikes. 
So when people give me a hard time when I say something like that, the, the term performance bagger just has some sort of a weird negative connotation, but I, I challenge people all the time. I'm not a big pro touring fan of, you know, I, I don't, if, you're not going to take a 70 Chevelle and enter a road race, but people do it because, I mean, us. if you think about it, I mean, <laughs> so when you're looking at a, 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 everybody that I talk to about the performance baggers, I was like, look, think of it from a pro touring angle. And they put some of those bikes on diets that ended up those. I heard that they took 200 pounds off of some of those motorcycles. So and that's what I find so interesting about Harley, the brand, the aftermarket world is the innovativeness of what people are willing to do and try and experiment with to push the product to its limits. I mean, that's our culture. That's what we do. That's a good point. That's something that I try to instill in everybody because I've been in the aftermarket uh, Harley-Davidson side of things for 18 years, right? And you see, you know, you see a part get produced and engineered at Harley-Davidson, and then you see it in a similar part in an SNS catalog or a similar part in a Zippers catalog. And my background prior to the motorcycle industry was the hot rod industry. Chevelles, Camaros, Mustangs, you know, even jamming a, a, a big a big block Ford and a Pinto now now and again. Things and, that go really fast in the yeah. straight line. <laughs> I go make, fast in straight, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> things that make noise, things that make black marks in the in the yep. asphalt, right? And so when you when you look at that, how much engineering comes out of the aftermarket, it's really um, uh, it's, it's symbiotic. A very, it is very that was the word I was looking yeah. for, symbiotic, yeah. It's cool because it's like the aftermarket pushes the OEM and the OEM puts it out there and sees, sees what the aftermarket can do. And it's really neat when, when guys like uh, Jesse James and Billy Lane took such iconic um, motors and, and, and exaggerated the frames and did all this innovative work and made uh, you know, people want to buy 60, 70, Art. Yeah, um, and it's pretty cool getting back to um, you know, the, the bagger or, or the king. What, what the king of the bagger. They call it king of the bagger. So old, I don't even know what the hell it is. <laughs> hey, you're um, only a couple years older than me. I need you to. Not yeah. do it. <laughs> but I find it interesting. It's it, it's so cool because it's like now you can take a Harley and, and, and make it a performance vehicle beyond its intended uses. Just you know, it's not daddy's or grandpa's cruiser anymore. We have. Olin suspensions and, and cool crafted uh, controls, mid controls, hand controls, uh, just doing neat stuff. You know, I've, I've seen guys take the club look and put it on their touring bikes now. Um, you know, tall bars, T bars, it, you're controlling the vehicle a little bit more aggressively. Uh, so I find it cool and I, I, like, I like what they're doing with it right now. It would have been cool if they would have gotten Travis Pastrana sponsored at Harley versus Indian. <laughs> Who knows yeah. what could have happened? Well, yeah, I think I mean, we I missed think the boat on that. We one. might have backflipped one. We might have backflipped. <laughs> you never right. know. Well, so getting back to kind of the, the 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 taking the pro touring angle and and applying that into, you know, when I see somebody riding a, a bagger that I see they've got a swing arm on it, or they see they've, yeah. they've upgraded up to an even better Brembo brake than what Harley Davidson because. Harley's been using Brembo brakes since 08, I believe now. Yeah. I mean, that's a much... Harley was always faulted for their brakes. Terrible. You know? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> but they've, they've up, they keep up the ante, and, and I'm a huge fan of the M8, too. So at the dealership level, what are you guys seeing as far as the M8s? Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 
the, the arc of the purchase still is the customer comes in, they purchase a motorcycle, we introduce them to somebody in parts and accessories, we introduce them to somebody in uh, you know, like the soft goods merchandise. You guys have a name for that though, what do you guys call General it? Merchandise. Okay, so. The best part of the shop by far. That's oh, because that's somebody your works. That's where you work. Yeah. <laughs> that's your department. That's my house. That's your home. I right? love them all equally. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go there, general manager. Right. So, so, the, so you introduce them to somebody in parts and accessories, you introduce them to somebody in service. Is the dealership still seeing? I mean, obviously, you know, we see these things kind of. If you watch from the optics of the news, like you know, everybody's talking about EPA and the electric vehicles are coming on. So they seem to be coming on stronger than what they actually are. I don't believe that they actually are really coming on that strong. I believe that they. I, agree. I believe that the. I don't think they're short-lived. I think they're here to stay. Yep. But I think that that technology costs so much, and mm -hmm. it still hasn't been perfected, and it's not very user-friendly. You know. It's one thing if you can afford to stop in the middle of your day and charge your car back up, but I can't stop in the middle of the day and charge up my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you how do you circumnavigate all of those things with somebody today? Are you still able to kind of help them in the parts and accessories in the service department when they pick their bike up? I find it interesting because um, I, I think like most manufacturers, all major manufacturers, um, they're always bringing what they, um, the, the latest and greatest in their product line. So for Harley-Davidson, we have um, our naturally uh, aspirated motors um, and, and the things that people know or know us for. Right. Um, I think the motor company's direction um, to expand their view with Livewire, I think, hands down, it's the way to go. Um, Pan America is coming on. I think they kind of shelved the Bronx for a minute or two to get kind of realigned uh, with uh, the direction of the, the motor company. But the, our general buying public, I still think, I, and it doesn't matter to me, yes, we have uh, core riders that, you know, my age or older, um, and for those that don't know, I'm 50. But, um, <laughs> he it, looks it, great. He's beautiful. You're appeals, young 50, It Richie. appeals to everybody. The sportster, uh, it's, it, what it looks like today still appeals to young and, and, and veteran riders. Is it's, the sportster still, I mean, is that still a, a top-selling unit? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I'm behind the movement. Make sporties great again. Uh, you know, hey, sports, are, them back. you're talking to somebody who's a sportster guy. I love sportsters. Um, female motorcycle. Absolutely not. Go it, tell it, the Hell's Angels that in 1969. Heritage. <laughs> it's heritage goes back <laughs> you know. to racing. It's such yeah. an iconic motorcycle. I love the styling characters of that bike. Um, I love the direction where Softail went, where the touring motorcycles went, technology. Um, so I, I do think Harley Davidson does a great job in the dealership network uh, representing these vehicles. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Right. I don't know uh, if I answered that question or not. No, I think you did. I mean, and, and again, it's not like this isn't a grueling interview, but I just was wondering, you know, we see in, in the aftermarket world, you see a much different set of, you know, customers who see a much different set of motorcycles that come in. You, you're talking about the performance thing, and, and obviously you work in uh, in the motor clothes, right? That was the word I was trying to look sure. for. They call it motor clothes, right? That's that's yeah. the correct terminology. But even that, Harley has stepped up greatly in the last few years with their motor clothes. They they took away my. I used to wear. Um, they used to sell a carpenter pant 
that had a it had a loop on it it's and everything. It's coming back. Loop and everything. Is it? <laughs> it's it, making it was a, a hard comeback. Twenty one. It was yeah, really. It? it was a really thin. It was a really thin denim too, which was good to ride when it was hot. It wasn't so so heavy. You know, what I mean, it's not like a heavy denim. I hate right. that, especially down here in Florida, because I'm a, I'm I'm a shorts guy. Three hundred and sixty four days of the year. What do you guys hear in the aftermarket? As far as well, what we hear in the aftermarket world is a lot of hyperbole. It's not. It's not good information. Um, the optics in the aftermarket world is that the factory has. You can look at it from one one way or the other. We think the vehicle complexity is way too way too way too broad. We think that uh, you know when, when we talk about it in the aftermarket world, we think that Harley should have four Sportsters. We think they should have four soft tails. We think they should have four dressers, and we think that the CVO thing should be not every year. We think it should be more of a. Uh, what it's what I think it's intended Your to be. Your voice must have been heard because Harley Davidson has reduced the, the sports selection. Is really down. Is it down to four now? Yeah. So we've we got the 48, the Iron 83, 1200, and the Roadster. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then we're also. Um, is it public knowledge what they're doing with the soft tails next year? <laughs> I'm gonna air to caution here. No. Okay. Come on. I can tell you we've greatly reduced. Oh, do tell. Right. Exactly. I don't want to. I don't want to get us in trouble by saying what. But we've definitely reduced the the model selection. Well, and and here here out hear me out from the, from the aftermarket point of view. Um, I am one of these individuals that I'm I'm an aftermarket guy. I mean that's that's where I that's the space that I occupy. Um, I've always been a fan of Harley Davidson's motorcycles, and when you go back to, you could get a, you know, a super glide, a low rider, uh, you could get a wide glide, mm -hmm. and then you got a dresser, and then I'm thinking fixed fairing, non-fixed fairing, right? And then some sort of a limited. Personally, I'm a road glide fan, so I think everything, everything, premium should be fixed fairing, but that's just my personal preference, right? Um, and then I think you should have, you know, the soft tail should have, I love the Lowrider S. That's one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to find a flaw in that motorcycle from an engineering standpoint, from a rider standpoint. I mean, you could increase the travel in the back a little bit, but then you can't sell it to everybody that's got an inseam of 28 and up. It's, but it's funny that you're saying this though, because for, from our perspective, it's always like, you know, we're at the dealership. We live the life. It's, it's Harley Davidson, me things we deal with is from 2000 to present day 20 years down okay um and that that you're saying that and that is actually happening and moving in that direction that makes me feel good because it's you know voices have been heard motor companies heard this reduction <coughs> of and, and the other thing that, that you kind of like you're, you're making me tap into is that uh i've been we've been doing a lot of uh, research on um the adventure bikes and we've been reading a lot of forums you know Perception about um, Harley Davidson. What, what is ownership about for Harley Davidson for people that may not be riding our brand right now? Um, and I find it interesting that the perception for our brand for a lot of people is that, and you and I talked about this call a lot, was that uh, we made perception is overpriced. Mm -hmm. Right. That that's, that's a big one for us. Right. Well, perception uh, is that from the, from the from the consumer mm -hmm. that things are overpriced. Yeah. So. One of the things that I've been doing a lot of lately is um, obviously I'm doing some uh, education from Harley themselves as far as um, the type of uh, guests we're going to be trying to you know attract with this bike. You know, it's it's a totally new market that Harley hasn't been in for a very long time. So 
um, I'd spent a lot of the times on these forums, and one of the biggest things I'm saying, uh, seeing is that nobody knows what this bike is going to sell for, and and that is the biggest point right it now. Opened up so the biggest barrier to entry too. right now is that they no one knows what that bike's going to sell for. Correct. Like we we don't know what it's going to sell for as of right now, but we have an idea where it's going to sell for, and I think the motor company is aware. But it's funny when we're, we're reading the forums, and uh, I've, you know, I'm not. Up, I'm not that tech savvy. <laughs> no, getting there. He's a point oh, kind of guy on the keyboard. Yeah. Leave <laughs> my general manager alone. It, it's cool <laughs> to see, like, you know, for like, from my generation, we came off a generation of, you know, hey, we worked on our stuff. We, we that's not for everybody though, and there's a perception. And even when I was getting into Harley, where it was. I saved, I, I wrote everything under the sun until I could afford to buy a Harley. And then are we getting what we pay for it? And I find it interesting. And I do like the direction the motor company's going in. Um, but that that's, that opened my eyes to some of the people that were speculating on what Pan America is going to look like. And, and Harley has released um, pictures outside of the stock photos. And the, the photos that we got from Harley themselves that was you know, put out there mm-hmm. on, on the internet didn't really do any justice to of the bike, you know, what it looks like, what it's capable of. Um, but there was recently some pictures put out of the bike, of the Pan America being parked in a parking garage. Looks there, good. I saw that pic. And, yeah. and those pictures did, strong. The, did the bike way more justice than the ones that Harley did. And it, my favorite part about this, about these new pictures that came out, was uh, that they showed us what the handlebars look like. And with um, adventure bike people, you know, they... They always have a million buttons on their bikes. Well, and, and they're ergonomically driven too. They exactly. want to make sure that the bike's mm-hmm. going to fit them, that it's going to work. It's gonna, I'm going to switch this with you real quick. Pop that on on your T-shirt because I, you're, remove I your readers. <laughs> you're more comfortable with the. Uh, you're more comfortable with that, I think. So just take a minute here. I know. Right? <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh my God. Ah, Go right. ahead and let's. Can you talk now? I, I'm talking. Oh, you know what? I gotta do real quick. One second here. I, I am speaking. Are we taking a, a refill break? Yeah, real we're quick? gonna go ahead. If you're gonna do that, one? Uh, one. Yeah. You got a choice of Budweiser and Budweiser. There you go. Can you imagine we after a, a couple more sessions of this? As long as we have beer flowing, we'll, we we will talk. Right. Is this going okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Actually, what's that? No, I mean, I'm recording right now, but I, this is, it, it yeah, I'll edit that out. You're doing great. Yeah, you're doing fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You, you are really, you are really. This is not my forte, bro. You know what? No, it you is. I don't think it is, but you'd be surprised how much I do with, like, live video, media, blah, 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 blah. You're a freaking natural, and you mm. just don't give yourself enough, enough credit. He's good. I mean, like, if, if he's not leading the conversation, I don't even know where I'm going. If I'm going to bring somebody in, you know I'm going to bring a killer. Yeah. I'm going to bring a killer. I'm not going to bring some amateur and then piss you off. But the thing is, the information that you're bringing off, I'm sitting here and just, you know, I want to sit in and listen. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Hmm. This is something I would listen to. I yeah, I think this will pull. This will. I, this I, think, will I think this will edit it up beautifully. Yeah. Our, our actually, thank you for... You're making me feel comfortable. Good. So this doesn't feel like. Oh, it's the roofie I put in the first. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's funny, like that's why I said I didn't want my team to look like a bunch of clowns. No, I didn't I want this to make it. this look like uh, it was fabricated. Uh, this feels more natural. This like I would organic. talk to the. Uh, and yeah. Use the word. This is organic. Yeah. Okay? yeah. And and he is great at. 
I wouldn't even say driving, more more like uh, just helping influence a conversation. Navigating. In, in navigating yeah. would be the best word in, in a direction that keeps everybody involved. And it's bringing up fantastic topics. Yeah, no, I mean, this, I'm, I'm actually enjoying this right now. Good. No, that's what we want. I mean, it's supposed to be, a, in, you know, like a natural conversation where there's some... This is, in this room is probably a little problematic for it, but we'll figure we'll figure all these pieces and parts out. Okay. Like, you what know. Are you we yeah, we're getting quite a bit of that's, quite a bit of reverberation. Fine. It's fine. Yeah, there's there's no way to. Uh, Do you guys feel okay with this so far? Mm -hmm. right. I think if yeah. maybe we open this up. We'll somebody echo to stop bouncing off. Okay, cool. Yeah, there were some people talking there earlier. I didn't oh, want to. I didn't want to listen to their conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't either. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we don't. Anyway, hi Richard, you're doing great. Thanks, babe. Um, just, so I find it like what you're saying though is like that was when we got into that whole discussion with Livewire mm -hmm. and how we should have marketed Livewire versus um, like the motor comes like ah, here's Livewire, sell it, and we we try to market it like every other motorcycle we sold. It was like a mistake. Yeah, you should it's not never the same. It's not. It's, it's, not it's a whole different house. Right. So what I'm, what I'm realizing with uh, Pan America is that um, uh, the curriculum that we're working on and doing these tasks that build up to, you know, knowing the product, knowing the, the buyer and stuff like that and figuring out what makes people tick. This is the first time, and I've been doing this for a long time. How many uh, years? I'm not even going to say. <laughs> I, but it's the first time I a sat lot. there and thought about <laughs> You know, we, we do this every day, day in and day out, and to actually think about, you know, um, what do people think about our brand? You know, what do they think about Harley-Davidson? Is it overpriced? Is it priced right? What's going on? Um, and then when we start doing this Pan America research, we're just like, we hope it's not another overpriced Harley-Davidson product. And I took pause on that. And I was just like, shit, is that what people perceive what we do all day long. Well, know? I think if I can if I can chime in on just on that piece because I I know several people that are like looking and waiting for that Pan America to hit the ground. Right. I mean, I you know guys that ride the the Honda Africa Twin. Bad That's a good bike, example. By the way, fantastic yeah, motorcycle. Bike. You know, I try to tell people that all the time. I'm like, look, you really can't buy a bad motorcycle right now if you're buying one from one of the the big five companies. Sure. You know, six companies. Well, there's Yamaha, Kawasaki, Suzuki, Honda. Harley and Indian, so six. True, but the guys that like what Triumph. Well, doing your BMW, the Tiger, the Triumph Tiger was fun. The Triumph Tiger is a badass bike. We had a good Isn't time it fair that? to say yeah. that the Triumph is a niche bike, right? You have a very you look how small the dealership. But we can is. learn so much from Triumph because Agreed. we did we did what Triumph is doing way back when, and Triumph realized that, and they're showing success in that. So if we. But they get a pass. They're allowed to make some, you know, kind of off-color, kind of, you know, small little market thing where, you know, the one thing that I'll say that, that I've always, that's always concerned me is that <clears throat> I feel that Honda wants a Honda in every garage, right? And yeah, and so, so they work the towards that. You meet, what do they say? You, you meet, meet the, the nicest people on a Honda, Honda, right? Well, so... I think that's, can, let me tell you, let me, let me back things up a little bit. I don't know how old you are exactly. I know how old Richie is. He's already divulged that information. So I'm going to guess 50. that you guys are both around 30. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, right in that, in, that, in that same space. How old are you? 44. Are you 44? No, I'm 28. I was going to say, Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude. Hey, can, can, you, can, you, can you rub, rub, rub that? Maybe it's in the beard, right? 
the no, so, face was priceless, though. So when I, and Richie will remember this, mm -hmm. let's go back to 1995. If you Good wanted times. to buy, we'll go three. back to 99. If we go back to 1999, <laughs> if you had a motorcycle on order, yeah. you had to pay a deposit. Mm -hmm. yeah. You had got to order what color you wanted. They called you and told you what color came in, mm -hmm. and you could either pass on that one and go back to the bottom of the line, or you could buy that one, but you could buy the Harley-Davidson, ride it for a year. If you wanted, you could sell it and make money, okay? So that made the cost of ownership pretty high, pretty exclusive. Um, you knew that you were buying something that, even if it didn't appreciate, wasn't going to depreciate mm -hmm. necessarily at the same rate as something similar like a Honda or a right. Yamaha, yeah. you know, somebody buying a motorcycle, right? Yeah. Well, then all of a sudden, things changed. In 2003, I bought my first brand new Harley-Davidson, bought it in March, sold it in October for more than I had paid for it. Yeah. That never happened again. I mean, that just, that, that ended. 2003 was about the time that you could go into a Harley-Davidson dealership on a Saturday. You couldn't, you still couldn't really ride one home that day, and I know you can do that nowadays. Sure. It was, it was still a process. Everything went through uh, Eagle Mark Savings Bank back in 2003. They had their own finance company, and Harley still does. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it was like it was. There was a process. They mm -hmm. slowed you down, right? When you're purchasing a Harley, they slowed you down. It was. You went through all of these pieces and parts to get to the end of, of that transaction. It was there was a there was something about it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go buy a Porsche or you go buy a Ferrari or you go buy a Lamborghini, the purchase experience is very unique, right? And they know that. And so they capitalize on that and that's part of what you're paying for. Now the cost of ownership is is very it's very different. You know, I can remember going to the Harley Davidson dealership as a kid and it really just kinda looked like an independent motorcycle shop. It did. Besides and it the was. barn shield on the building. Yeah, and it and it was for all yeah. intents and purposes. Yeah. I mean the guys working behind the counter were a little rough. Yeah. The guys working in the service department were a little rougher. True. <laughs> but the, true. now you point at me that now? doesn't yeah, really yeah. The, the the experience of purchasing is more streamlined, it's more linear, it's uh it's it's not sterile, but it's 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 been sterilized at least once or twice. And while they don't want a Harley in every garage um, it's not as exclusive. And I don't mean that to besmirch what Harley's doing. I'm just saying it's, you know, if I, they... I agree to what you're saying. I mean, do you, I, I can do you at least acknowledge that that's a real thing? It is a real thing because, you, you, I mean, depending who you talk to, you talk to the purists, you're like, you know, um, this is our thing, you know, but we want to sell so many Harley Davidsons. So it's, it, it is kind of a weird dynamic that, that's going on there. Um, I think the dealership network as a whole um, relates better to the guests than they ever did. I would agree with that. I, I would I certainly. say that the buying experience is more of an experience. And you're right. I still I would consider Harley Davidson, though many people would think we have antiquated technology. I would say the buying experience as a whole is uh, as if you were going to buy a Highline vehicle, as you were saying before, uh, BMW, Mercedes, or Ferrari, or what whatnot. Um, because I think the people in our industry treat it that way. And it, it is, we understand that well, we this don't take it for granted that anybody can just afford to buy one of these, but we want to make sure that cost of ownership is right for our guests so that if you were 18 years old, you could buy uh, a bike, or if you're 88 years old, you can buy a bike. I never looked at it that way, and, I, and that's, that's, a, that's definitely a different lens to 
to look at it at this through because mm -hmm. I had never considered that. Um, being from the outside looking in, like we said at the, at the at the upstart of this, that there was a. I'm, everything that I do is from the outside looking in because I don't have any internal information. Like I don't, I don't get to see TSBs, I don't, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that, as a shop owner for myself, that I I can be critical of Harley, and it doesn't matter. Um, that I feel like there is a bit of bulldogging of some of the information mm -hmm. that should be shared. Agreed. You know, yeah. um, and and that I think that befalls Harley to. I think they have a responsibility, and I'll give you a good example. And um, and you guys can just you know because you work for Harley Davidson, you don't even have to give me your opinion on this. But I'm, I I'm going to clarify just a statement without. We don't work for Harley Davidson. Quite honestly, we don't. We right. work for a dealership group. We're franchised. Okay. So we represent the motor company, in 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 the product, and in you know dealership agreement, how to sell, what, you know, things, and we're educated in, in, in current product line and past, but we don't work for the motor company. And there's things, in, in, even in, in, you know, our owner who's been uh, a trendsetter, the dealership general managers, uh, we will contest the motor company on behalf to support the guests on more occasions than people they may know not about, realize. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because I mean, you know, motor company may have a policy on this on a new motorcycle. In the dealership team, service managers, service technicians, salespeople, uh, salesmen, we fight to give the guests what we feel is the right experience. And I don't think a lot of the the the, the, the general buying public knows this. You know? No, I think we they don't. don't. don't I would consider this. myself well it entrenched comes, in that. It usually comes at the dealership's expense. Uh, so if there was a um, Let's say there was a, a, a new motorcycle, a year old, and a guest had an issue with the motorcycle. And if the motor company as a manufacturer decided that we're not going to, we don't feel that this is a warrantable issue. It's 99% of the, the dealership itself that's stepping up and footing the bill on that one. And we do it not because we just want to just uh, appease anybody. We do it because we believe in the product and, and we believe we want the best experience for the guests to believe in the product as well. Because it's an imperfect product. It's a manufactured product. Sure. It's, it's an assembly line product just like anything else. You know, um, Mercedes is an assembly line product. It's a, and that's not a perfect Right, it's not perfect. <laughs> so, and this, you know, I would, I'd like to put it out there on behalf, uh, on behalf of all dealerships, saying that, hey, we get it, we do get it, and, and, it, and, and there is a high uh, cost to own ownership of these vehicles. But at le the only dealership I can speak on behalf of is this one. And I, I if, you, if there was ever a problem with a guest, if you came to talk to myself or a manager, I guarantee you, you would leave happy because there's no situation that we would not want to resolve. But you come guns a blazing, you know, fuck this and fuck that. You're probably not going to get the result you're looking for. I, I, I personally think that you get more with more uh, catch more flies with honey than exactly. you do with vinegar. <laughs> but it's like you know, all of a sudden it's like uh, you. But you, you do realize that there's a culture on it's this. It's super situational. If you it's come at me super, right, yeah, I will take exactly. care of you. If you come Jordan, at me sideways, we're going to be done here. Jordan, uh, like you, we both agree on this one. Like. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. In 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 most of the time, we, we didn't manufacture <laughs> anything here, right? We didn't create it. And like you, Jen Birch, I remember there was. A, and I'm not gonna, but a funny little story, you know. Uh, somebody bought a pair of sunglasses, right? <laughs> Tell me about that, right? <laughs> somebody bought a pair of sunglasses, and uh, 
we're more than willing to step up. I'm like, you know, I guess uh, they, they, they broke or... They blew they off blew her head it. on a boat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> really? We and it's my job to replace them. And you did, Because though. they should have stayed on her head but on the boat. The ironic thing is that you go talk to Jordan or any team member here is that she did replace it because we understand we you can't replace... The, the, the guest. Well, the, I did the, replace them prior to her looking <laughs> at my associate and saying, well, that was wasted, too. Right. No, I, I get it. But the, fa the fact of the matter is these people are like maybe a $100 uh, pair of sunglasses. It's not worth losing a guest to us, you know? And we're not going to throw it out there and have these like major, like, oh, just come here and take advantage of us. But talk to us like normal people. We're going to take care of you. That's a, that's a refreshing way. And, and that's a good place to like, I, I want to recap that because mm -hmm. You had mentioned if somebody comes in and they're fuck this, fuck that. Yeah. I think that's a cultural thing that's been developed over being mistreated at so many yeah. different levels at so oh, many other sure. places. Agreed. Like, I don't go to Publix and negotiate the price of milk. But I'm going to start, like, though, yeah. because apparently why you can. It, but apparently <laughs> in the automotive world, you can go like, ah, uh, door rate is this. I mean... I get it, man. It, like, w we got, let, let's be honest, we get into motorcycling because it's cool. Yeah. And we're bucking the system and we love what we do. Hell yeah, I'm all about that. But at the same time, we're regular people too and we want to take care of people. So, meet us halfway. No, you, I agree with that. You know, if somebody kicked in the door at your shop and going, hey, you worked on my motorcycle and it's leaking oil, would, hey, what's the problem? Let's come up with a solution. Yeah, we'll fix like it. and that's why I tell people, I, I, the situation that always comes up to me mm -hmm. that I remember the most was <clears throat> Saturday afternoon, showroom full of people, guy walks in with a tire and a wheel in his hand, he's a bald guy, uh -huh. and his head is beat red and just, and he's just, just, yeah. just he's, I can tell, and I've got all these customers and I'm the only one in the showroom, I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm like, sir, please come up. Like, let's, uh, you seem very, very, like, you're <laughs> I just obviously, love you. yeah, you're, you're very, something bad happened. I want to have a conversation with you. He's like, do you have somewhere we can go where we can talk? I'm like, honestly, I said, look, I said, I'm just going to tell you whatever's wrong right now, we're going to come up with an equitable solution. Yeah. So go ahead and just relax and tell me what happened. Let's start there because we don't know what, I mean, it ended up being another dealership messed up his, uh, and it wasn't a Harley, it was a mm -hmm. Honda, in fact. But another dealership took the tire off, and when they took it off, the, the tire machine, you know, if you don't do it correctly, yeah. that, that bar, gouged can gra it gouged, didn't gouge the wheel, gouged the bead of the tire. Oof, yeah. And they're like, yeah, they did this That'll when they put it. it on. I go, yeah. sir, I said, I can assure you I will take that tire off 10 times and put it back on, and there's absolutely no way I can damage it putting it on, but I will show you how they damaged it <laughs> yeah. taking off because I know what happened. And when it was all said and done, I did end up having to give him a discount on another tire to keep his business, but I, I understand what you're saying, mm -hmm. and you're right. So there's an equitable solution to any problem. There's no yeah. problem that we can't come up with a solution. I agree I with think. that, and I think that's the brilliance of this team. You know, um, the sunglass lady that Jordan had to deal with. Do we all want to be like, come on, really? But I think that. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> Why? So <laughs> everybody's so willing, and that's the beautiful part of this place, is that everybody's so willing to make people happy. If you just talk to us, if you give us the opportunity, we're not going to let you down. But we're also human beings. We make mistakes, you know? And uh, I think we train more than, than you guys care to ever train. What? We do a lot of training, guys. We have meetings about meetings, yeah. post meetings, training meetings, and, training and meetings on the training like, meetings. When you look at this staff, and, and, and it's like nobody, including myself, we're, we're not. I don't think we got into this for the money. I think we all got into this for the 
the, the culture, the lifestyle that we This we is Misfit for. Island. Yeah. We yeah. live we here. Misfit yeah, the land of misfit toys. That's, that's, that's why I always tell people we're all broken toys. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I'm in the motorcycle industry is because, you know, they look at me and they go, all right, but you go to the car shop, they go, who is this guy? Yeah. Can you just fill it's up like his bike tire and tell him to, to go away? That was fun. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, it, it, so so in and that, and what mm-hmm. I'm taking away from that conversation is, number one, that you guys go the ex- you guys want to go the extra mile. Yeah. It sounds like you guys work in a very homogenous piece where everybody kind of, there's like a Venn diagram where you help kind of make things happen in other departments if it's the yeah. same customer where it's there's some crossover. It's a very dysfunctional family, but we make it work. But it doesn't yeah. sound like you guys Agreed. have high turnover here. No, I don't think so. I mean, they, we tell everybody when they come to work here, at least from my perspective, is that I want everybody to be happy. We don't want, um, what do I always say at the interview? I'm like, I, I, I don't, you don't need to kiss anybody's ass. Do not create drama in the dealership. Have fun while you work here. Grow yourself. We, 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 we only uh, promote within, so we, you'll never see an outside manager come to this location. Uh, we promote within, and I, I want the team to be happy. That's good. Um, does it always work that way? No, These everybody has bad days. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. definitely not for everyone. It's a great idea. Yeah, when you find your people, though, those of us I, that have the, been here forever, yeah. I mean, I it works. You, I love coming to work. I mean, uh, if it wasn't for, I mean, especially not because you two are in front of me, but it's like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. of. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me how great I am. You are so great. <laughs> the sense of family, I, I feel that when we come to this dealership or when we come to work every day, and we don't work, by the way, we don't work eight hours a day. We don't work eight hours taking our lunch. Everything's like this per- picture perfect. What's lunch? Yeah. <laughs> lunch is something you right. do on the way to go do something else, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like we, on the average, every team member here probably works about a 12-hour, 13-hour day. And they deal with everything, the highs, the lows. Most of our paychecks are tied to performance paychecks. And, and we don't care. We love what we do. And it's not easy. You know, this isn't like, you know, um, Rainbows and ponies and sunshine pumping out our ass. It's not. I don't know. I'm out. I'm done. I thought it was rainbows and unicorns. Interview over. That's the only reason why I'm here. I I, I, I love the the (laughs) dynamic of the team and that they get it because it's like somebody can have a disagreement in this store and and uh, you know they they get it off their chest and it's like we're family at the end of the day and that's what's magical about this place right now. It's. we see it from front to back, you know, and we, we're getting really picky and choosy who we allow in into the team. Um, and it's, I don't do the hiring. Um, Jordan hires her crew. We talk about it, but if she sees something, uh, you've been training people now for almost a year. Um, it's pretty impressive to see what you guys are doing. Um, so, so where do you actually kind of? I, I know you're in you're in the motor clothes, right? Yep. And then you are in. Where are you at? Sales. Like, vehicle. Oh, so vehicle you're in vehicle, vehicle sales, sales, right? Yeah. So how many vehicle salesmen do you have here? That many. Eight. Eight, okay. <laughs> Eight, bringing on two more. Yeah, we got two more coming in. But I've never been here uh, and there not been a full showroom. I've never been here and there not been bikes on display. I've never been yeah. here and there not been somebody. Uh, I, I, always, I always giggle every time I call here because it's like, Thank you for calling the world famous Brandon Harley Davidson. Yeah, I didn't right? come up Thank you for calling the world famous Harley Davidson and Brandon. Yeah. This is Jordan. That's, How may yeah. I direct your call? That's right, but I'm, Richard. So I always, I always ask them, whoever, whoever, I, anytime I call here, yeah. I'm like, what are you guys famous for? 
And then, like, you know, uh, well, uh, I don't you, know. You <laughs> and every we other dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have beer on tap. I'm well, there okay, you go. Yeah. Have you seen Willie G, the Longhorn? We got him, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I, I'm going to, I don't know where we're at in this, uh, this seminar today, but I'm not 50. Yeah, he calls pants call slacks. Pants what else do you say? To old okay, people slacks. Say? Don't yeah, you defend I it? I was like, going, I, so I called this a seminar. It's not. This is a podcast. This is yeah. a podcast, okay, Grandpa. So I was calling <laughs> Grandpa. Grandpa. <laughs> uh, I was also asked. Uh, Maria, my wife, uh, do you want to go see a picture show? The picture show <laughs> the at picture the picture show? house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, the hand crank. really talk to anybody. Somebody <laughs> walking really fast with no sound. Do you have your AARP card on you, or do you leave that at I home? I finally got it in the mail. What kind of bike do you ride? Uh, right now, I'm on a Dyna. What year? Um, 16. 16? Mm -hmm. All right. You got the, are, you the, are you the ape hanger dude, or are you, are you a... Are you into kind of the... What are scene? you? What kind of dude are you? Um, well, I'm a T-bar guy. Are you? Okay. Mm -hmm. West Coast T-bars? <laughs> Honestly, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> just, <okay. laughs> just, just mostly T-bars. Just T-bars. They're black, if mid that helps you. Mid-controls? Mid-controls. Okay, you so know. you're in kind of... you. But so you kind of... You're interested in, in that side of things. I mean, you yeah. because there's definitely... There's like little factions of different you know folks there's like the ape hanger crowd with the soft tail the ape hanger crowd with the bagger and then now we get back to the performance bagger thing that's that's starting to gain some momentum mm -hmm. I mean, right ironically i think you as long as it had more power than you were able to handle you would probably ride it if <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. Uh -huh. i mean it, so yeah. i come from the sport sport bike world what was your bike okay. before this bike so i had a 2017 cbr 1000 sp1 yeah it that's had, a lot of motorcycle it's well, a lot of it had bikes. ported and polished heads high compression pistons uh, set of cams running an e85 full acro exhaust uh i, I come from Cool stuff you wouldn't understand. Or oh, <laughs> oh. So just to clarify, Acro, you're talking about Acropovic exhaust, right? However you want to call it. You got Kapokrovich. I've heard it yeah. called that. Your little lady brain. Kapokrovich or whatever. I, I say Acro because well, mostly everybody. Mostly because I'm a redneck. Yeah, you would. It's too fancy for your blood. <laughs> Hit me. Hey, Judy Chop. Hey, Judy Chop. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've pretty much worked for every manufacturer under the sun. Uh, I started off with the European side of things, and I went to the Japanese, mm -hmm. and then I came to Harley. Um, whenever I started working here, I had the CBR for a couple months, and I, I, I am the person that I try to convince otherwise, you know, about, about our brand is, you know, whenever I was riding sport bikes, um, to me, Harleys were big, heavy bathtubs that cost a million dollars. That's, whenever I heard Harley, See? that's what I thought of. Right. Yeah. Um, I come here for the most non, or the most corporate, non-corporate interview I've ever had in my life. You know, it was, I sat down with the general manager, no, it was me <laughs> and Jen. Careful, where are we going? Your first interview was with me and Jen. And I showed up a day early because I didn't know what day it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, better interviewed fine. So, you know, I, I sat down and I, 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 I told, you know, whenever I came back from my next interview, you know, Richie asked me what I thought of the brand. And, and I told him what I just told you, you know, mm -hmm. same thing. And he goes, you know, I don't want to tell you you're wrong because it's your opinion. But, you know, basically he was like, that's, you're not right. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's not what he told me, but that's what he was getting at. So, you know, I I was the you know the the younger kid, you know, quotations on the millennial side of things that thought Harley's were big scary bikes, uh, and Richie was like, "Have you been on one?" I was like, "I've ridden one." 
and I, I couldn't tell you what it was. It was black. That's about as much as I knew about it. Right. So uh, he, he went to one of the one of the other salespeople here. Um, he was like, take him out on the bike, see what he thinks of it, see if he can ride a bike, so on and so forth. So I went out on a low rider S. Good, good move. Good <laughs> move, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> he must have really liked you and wanted to hire you because I that's mean, the one to put you on if you're gonna cool bike. you're gonna sell somebody on a Harley that's coming off of a sport bike. That's that's a good place to That'd start. And, to and it really is because you know I, I wasn't used to the the six seven hundred pound bikes. You know I, I didn't understand that side of things. So he put me on the sporty bike. Had plenty of powers. Great in the turns. You know we, we couldn't do much. We're we're in in town. Sure. But I, I you know we had to have a couple of twisties. We went and I, I felt that you know this bike isn't big heavy tub that cost a million dollars it handled great had plenty of power it was a fun fun bike and i came back and i was very impressed with it you know coming from somebody who was with the cmra and who raced with them for a while for, for bikes that are purpose built for the track to mm -hmm. hop on a bike that you can buy off the showroom and and go you know have some fun around town it's it was really impressive to see that and it instantly just all the my opinions were harley of harley had changed just, just riding one bike. That's a that's a pretty big statement to, it, to, it to is, make. And, and, and it's a testament to who he is because um, his mind's wide open. He appreciates all things. In a weird kind of way, it's like me at his age because I was introduced to, um, first I was, t you know, American Muscle, and then you mm -hmm. start exploring different things. And, and the cool thing about text and stuff like that is like, what can we afford and what do I want to do with it? And then you start, kind of like even with the aftermarket stuff, you check it all out and then you gravitate to what you like and, and, and he appreciates more than just one thing now. It's Harley and the imports and there's so many different things within that that they can do, you know, so. It's impossible I, I to deny. It's impossible to deny the level of ingenuity and the level of engineering that goes into some of the, the super bikes, like the 1000, you mm -hmm. know, CBR, 1000 RR, and those things. The average owner of a bike like that, those um, ready to race bikes, mm -hmm. right? I don't think the, the average rider f could uses what? 10%? I, I was going to say a little higher, like 60% of the capacity. I don't think they bike. use 60% no. at all. So Because that's, there's, I mean. Those bikes, I mean, when you're buying, if you're buying a 1,000 bike, you know, um, take take the ZX, uh, the ZX 1300. 1400. Or 1400, rather, the ZX 1400. Take that mm -hmm. off the table. Take the Hayabusa off the table. But go into the bikes, the, the 1000 series, the GSXR 1000, the CBR 1000. What are the R, R, R series bikes? Yeah, the, so yeah, those R1, bikes are, R1M. Yeah, like those bikes. I mean, like, so those are race bikes. They are street legal race bikes. I mean, obviously, you have the, the emissions and headlights, taillights, mirrors, sure. and all that. Sure, but and there's things you can do in the suspension, those, but they've got Oleans right on it, on the jump on some of those. Like my CBR, it had electronic suspension. Yeah. It, the, the fluid had metal shavings in it. And if you took a turn hard enough, you could literally feel the bike hunker down, which for someone like me, whenever I was on an R3 and an R6 with the CMRA, I, I went to a guy at the, at the race and he was like, how much do you weigh? And I was like, I weigh this much. <coughs> and he goes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he, and he tuned it. That, that, was, that was my experience with suspension. It wasn't something that was a variable thing while riding. But the difference is, is like you can buy a bike brace track ready for a f how much do they go for brand new? I, I mean, know. It, it, if you look at like the KRTs, the HP4s, the R1Ms, the SPs, the Fireblades, th those are all mid to high 20s. So you're talking about a bike that is arguably 
uh, I mean, not yeah, really a street purpose bike, right? Not and by that, any stretch of the imagination. Anybody can go to the major four or five and buy a R1, mm -hmm. is that 1,000cc mm -hmm. um, motorcycle, right? Yeah. yeah. How much? So if you 15, wanted to, right? if you went to Yamaha to right now and said, I want an R1S, mm -hmm. an R1S is their stripped down bike to, you know, make it as entry, you know, quote unquote mm -hmm. entry level as possible. You could pick those up, uh, you know, depending on where you're at and, and demographically speaking, under $15,000 brand <laughs> new. That, that's sick because, I mean, these are, they're rocket ships. But so to our point with Harley, right? You for the same dollar amount, you can get a bike that you can put bags on it. Nobody's. What are you going to carry on an R1 besides a yourself? wallet? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the compartment size? Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. You don't even have enough like space for power commander. So the anymore. thrill of riding right. a motorcycle, like on a lowrider S or a uh, lowrider or uh, street bob or whatever. So you can for a similar amount of money, right? Uh, because we're not. I mean, we're. Still abiding by speed limits to the most part. Yes. <laughs> okay. For the purpose of this interview. For the purpose of this podcast. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's why when we I'm going to put other, a disclaimer on this. Other riders. The Garage Build Media Podcast does not endorse, <laughs> no, do we? <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's always this crazy, like, you know, like, oh, Harley's. So, I'm like, ride the brand, make your own judgment. Who gives well, a shit? So, do, so the, what I was getting at, and, and you hit you hit on a couple things, and, and Richie picked it right back up, is uh, that. It's a priority, right? So you have to prioritize things. Yeah. And so um, you made it a priority to have a Harley, and so now that's that's what you're riding. So I think you got another priority right now. I've, I've got another thing in the works right <laughs> now. It's not a child, <laughs> is it? It's not a Harley. Let's see how hard you can case yourself this <laughs> yeah, time. Okay, let's see. He usually talks himself out of these things anyway, but go for it. What you so uh, I, 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 I indulge in several ventures as far as you know, engines are involved. Uh, and, and this next one is uh, of the off-road variety. Oh, uh, what are we doing now? So I'm dirt getting biking. <laughs> dirt bike. I'm getting basically a dirt bike. So it's a dual sport. So it's on-road and off-road. So I can be just as much as a hooligan anywhere else in the world. Nice. But um, but that's why we got into motorcycling in the first place, right? I mean, I would take my. Uh, I think one of the first bikes I ever owned at the age. Fourteen. My first street bike was. What it, year was that? Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah, Yamaha X. So what was it like having a wooden wheel? <laughs> X, <laughs> Yamaha XT six hundred. Uh -huh. Love this motorcycle. It was, a, it was a great. It was cold by nature. It was a kickstart bike. I probably didn't have it dialed in right, but <laughs> loved the shit out of this bike. And I think uh, I rode that for a couple years, and then um, I got myself a Gixxer seven fifty. One of the best bikes oh. ever. Right. You know, this is no probably 1980-something. It, it was it was basically a bike that had the power of a 1,000cc on a 600 frame. Right. So it was the coolest thing yeah, ever. I, that's why I say, hey, I got the money. That's a great idea. Let's go buy this thing. And then uh, I thought I wanted to race, but kept on. I fixed it more than... You kept crashing. Yeah, there you go. It happens. That's where you learn how to wrench <laughs> on things. And now you're a fantastic mechanic. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. No, the, the coolest thing about, you know, my favorite thing about this dealership is it, it's not, you know, like whenever I came here, I thought it was going to be a bunch of, you know, Harley guys, you know, rough and tough guys that all ride Road Kings kind of thing. <laughs> You know, You're wrong wow! <laughs> wow! You had a you had a demo picked for I, that. I really Why did. You got to call Papo out like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, how long was the wallet chain? <laughs> you know, I actually have a funny story about a wallet chain, but it, it was. 
Oh, do tell. I need to say this. I gotta go pee. <laughs> yeah, no worries. No worries. Will, you want to? Uh, yeah, and I'll, I will get everybody. Can he, can he carry three? Or do you need no, to do he can't four? carry three. Yes, I can. Carry. You, you and I, I can. We can continue. Okay. <laughs> we have no purpose here anymore. I'm we out. can go. Uh, What's happening to you? I gotta. Are you okay? <laughs> He's got an old man bladder. What are you going to do? <laughs> He's got all messed up right now. So coming here, I, you know, I just had this whole demographic picked out in my head of what Harley guys were going to be because sure. I was none the wiser. You know, I, I followed all the, the cliches and, you know, just that's just what we did because we didn't know any better. So whenever I came here and I came here on a Honda, I didn't know that 90% of Harley guys, I'm going to say 99% of Harley guys, as long as you're on two wheels, they're stoked. You know, you're doing the same exact thing they are, and that's all that matters. You know? Yeah, and that's a very different thing than the way it was when I grew up. Exactly, and, and I've heard. Um, I, I've been, I, I've been, I've worked in a lot of industries. Uh, the motorcycle side of things has definitely been my main, I guess, job is, is always been sure. with motorcycles. And I've met a lot of people along the way at dealerships and older guys, younger guys, and all the older guys are always saying, you know, 20 years ago, this industry was completely different than it is nowadays i can't stress that enough when i when i talk to people and try to explain to them like it's very important to me as somebody who's almost 50 mm -hmm. and has put in 18 years in this that there's somebody like yourself that is that is putting time in and, and making an investment in yourself to be part of what what we're doing because at some point in time your your demographic your age group the group of people that you are peer grouped with your cohorts are going to have to take the ball and run with it and so it's on us to kind of try to cultivate that tech, that that talent, and that's where I think he he hit a, a struck a chord with me earlier when he was talking about the kind of the the process of getting you hired here mm -hmm. when you had the meeting or the interview rather, and then he put you on a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. The the optics of that are you're not going to find that at many other places. And for someone who's been like I said, you know, I've pretty much worked for every manufacturer under the moon. This is the only brand that I've ever been with that test rides motorcycles. You know, all the companies I've worked for, there's not even gas or battery in the bike on the showroom. That's it. You like you, you look at the bike and you can sit on it. Don't give our secrets away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would tell you uh, that, that, that that's true. I mean, we promote, I don't care if you buy here. We don't care. Just ride it. Just well, ride the product. You made a comment earlier about that you promote <clears throat> from within at this dealership mm -hmm. yes. for your employees. Mm -hmm. But isn't it fair to say that as a culture, as Harley riders, we promote from within that culture as well. I agree with because, that. Because, you, yeah. you know, your dad would take you, if you had a dad who was a biker, your yeah. dad would take you to the dealership and, and mm -hmm. encourage you to get a sportster. Yeah. And, and, and then in you my would promote case, it was yourself. my uh, friend, um, Brian, who I went to a school with, who runs a, a very successful aftermarket shop. Um, it was his father that pushed, you know, we were, we were always in awe, we're like, oh, there's John and his bikes yeah. and, and, his, and his buddies, and we were just like, whoa. You, you know what I, I miss about that? Yeah. I miss about that is um, I can remember being a kid and my dad's friends mm -hmm. having Harleys. And I remember how important it was that they had those and how important it was that they were personalized and how important it was yeah. that you didn't touch it. You didn't, you know what I mean? But that's those what I find interesting. Of like people are like, oh, you got to figure out millennials. N nothing, you're a millennial, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't treat you any differently, right? And it, it's kind of ironic that people are like, oh, you got to figure out millennials. They're no different than what we were growing up because this guy and many guys similar to his age, um, 
do the same thing that our fathers did. They, they like going to car shows, they like going to things and, and relating to what makes them tick. And I, th I think it's amazing because I've gone out with Cole several times and he's like, check this out. Now, just to see his enthusiasm about what he's talking about, uh, like that, uh, what was the bike you showed me, you rode him um, when, you, when I first hired you? The CBR. The CBR. Now, this bike was sick, without a doubt. Sure. Super sick. And he was just like, check this out. When we went on a ride, it was a short ride. It scared the <laughs> shit out of me. I saw him take that bike to 100% capacity on Causeway. Yeah. I mean, scared the shit out of me. But just, like, he gets it. And I, I don't think he's, like, this unicorn millennial. Well, that, he, that's a good point. They all weird. get it. That's what I call him. <laughs> unicorn, unicorn millennial. millennial. <laughs> that's your new, Cole's new name is unicorn millennial. Uh, is that your, is that your Instagram go handle? Right. Look at, go to Instagram right now. Look up unicorn millennial. <laughs> You're going to see this young. Cole. <laughs> because I don't think he's that unique in the sense, I, like there's this misconception that millennials, this, that, and the other thing. I, in, I don't believe that. I believe that they are who they are, let them be who they want to be, and let them figure out what makes them tick. I think that they approach things from a very different lens because they Agreed. grew up with, they grew you know, up with we didn't grow up with, we, uh, do you remember the cable when, when yes. cable started? Before you could even have the cable yes. box, you had like on TV and it TV on Saturday God, nights yes. after 10, you had yeah. showtime and home box office. And then yeah, they're looking at just They just zoned out, yeah. right? And then, and then it went to the, the push button box where you had two rows of one row of buttons and then three selector switches. Yeah. And then I can remember when you got your first remote control you guys cable always box. Cell phones. Always Not had true. cell phones. No. no. Would you have? So all of. Uh, I went to cell school phones were around since you. I mean, I had a cell phone in 94. Then I'm an older millennial, so I didn't have one until I was like halfway through I high had school. A beeper. I, had I also too. had a beeper. I, I did have a beeper. a beeper. I did have a beeper. But it was when they got small and cool. I didn't have like the cop size beeper that I yeah, know you from, had. Oh boy, the brick. Uh, no, I didn't have enough money for it. I had the. I'm trying to remember the the, because just like you know, like iPhone seven, iPhone yeah. eight, iPhone twelve, whatever. What was the there beeper? Was a, I'm trying to remember what it was when it came out. It had a chassis that would go to your belt loop and then you could slide it out and then yes. you go yes. to the beeper store what was the brand name it was motorola, motorola okay. one of the but you'd go i had two motor i had i had the the motorola that was just the standard one and then you'd get like and then we figured out like this is how clever our generation is <laughs> you guys don't you guys aren't this clever yeah. is we would figure out how to spell with the letters so you turn the beeper upside down and would say stuff yeah 69 69 911 the 911 was like call me right now dude the level is spelling hello on my calculator you know yeah exactly you're boobless no i mean i always had cell phones around me but my rule with my parents was if I wanted one, I had to pay for one. Good. Uh, well, that's I, a good rule. That's yeah, probably why you're rule. able to come and function around a bunch of other adults <laughs> at a regular. Not mine. My parents flipped one at me. Here yeah. you go, baby. Going into middle school, I <laughs> Leave did us get alone. a cell phone from my mom. It was her old work phone. Uh, no texting, no internet, nothing like that. It was for calls only, and it was in case of an emergency. <laughs> and then that was it. And if, if I sent a text, it made my mom very angry because it cost her a lot of money. There you go. <laughs> I'll never forget. My <laughs> oldest daughter is 25 right now, and uh, she wanted a cell phone really bad. And we went and got her this thing. I don't remember what it's called, but I could look it up. It was green and had four buttons on it. It was one, two, three, and then like a nine one one. Right. Button. Yeah. And so we went and got her. It was like like a leapfrog or something. Yeah. Jitterbug. Jitterbug. Yeah. 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 And so she wanted a cell phone. I gave this to her, and she's like, 
what is this? <laughs> I go, it's, it's a cell phone. I got she's you. Like, she's like, yeah. it's, there's only four buttons on it. Yeah. And I'm, she's like, who, how am I supposed to call anybody? There's like, you call me, your mom, your grandfather, or 911. That's it. Have fun. That's bye. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we should get you one of those. A jitterbug? <laughs> probably. Yes. Yeah. You'd yeah. be happy. You know? Could you would imagine? Be, what do you get? <laughs> Jordan, Maria, Cole, 911. Yeah. I've fallen. <laughs> That's your life alert. That's oh, different. Life mind. alert, a totally different thing. Yeah, but right. you're not wearing today. You're going to be all right on your way home? I'll be good. This was good. I like doing this. We can do this as a weekly thing or a monthly thing. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, right. As long as there's free beer. We need to bring the beer in here the next time, though. No, I think we at least need to be able to have to walk there. I don't know. I just put my bartender skills. We could do is we can do this conversation and sample beers. Oh, see, we can kind of we can kind of twist it up a little bit. Yeah, I can't do that. I want to talk about motor clothes for a minute. Only from okay. Let me tell you why. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Stance socks. Like I've seen Harley. I just got a whole new fixture with all new, so now I have two. So I've seen Harley come. Harley has changed. They've kind of altered the the. The space that they're in there, like the flannel crowd, the mm -hmm. the jeans have always been good jeans. We are getting dicks and flannel, right? We're working on it, Richard. God. Dicks and flannels. Do, do they have? They don't have a Harley specific flannel. Though. No, no, they don't. No. no, no. no. Okay, we're, um, so we're. They got so swamped through COVID, and they shut down, and then they opened back up, and they got double swamped. So now we're on the waiting list for January. Very yeah, excited. That very. Very. Dixon, do you have? Do you have any dicks and flannels? Nope, sure don't. We're waiting. I'm not upset about it either. I'm fine. <laughs> really? <laughs> we know we really would like. I, really, I have really a little bit them. of a Dixon flannel habit. Yeah. I have a problem. Half this of my closet. To get this oh, that's year. why mm -hmm. you don't care if they're here. Well, I mean, I have to travel to get them now, but I really, really, really want them here, and it's been a sore subject because yeah. it's yeah. been we, hard. We, we, went, we, we brought in. Uh, we brought in. An, we brought in First Manufacturing which is great. for yeah. Vest and Leather Goods. We brought in Torque Helmets, which are amazing. Really, really amazing. Really helmets. good really good friend of mine uh, at First Manufacturing. Uh, yeah. He's one of the one of the top dudes there. And and I'd like to talk to you about that afterwards mm -hmm. because I have an idea for you. But Hell yeah. um, so uh, do you, who are you dealing with at first? Do you do uh, Kevin Quick. Okay. Yeah. Well my buddy Pat Infante is one of the one of the big dudes there and prior to that there was a guy there named aaron heartless who now has a company called dehaven that builds garments but they mm -hmm. build they build purpose-built garments and nice. and you can have your own garments but um the reason why i asked about motor clothes and that is because you have to see there that's a, that's kind of a weird space to occupy because there is still that contention of or that group of people that just want like biker clothes, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it's the dazzled tank tops. Yeah, it's a hard mix right now because you have your group that wants Harley plastered across the front of everything and the bedazzled tank tops and down to the bedazzled boots, and I want six chains on my boots. And then you have the younger crowd that's like, I really don't care to see Harley anywhere on. They want to wear Vans. They want to exactly. wear you know so skinny in, jeans. In Do you wear January, skinny jeans, Cole? Nope. Yes, he does. He's no, lying to you right now. In January the at the dealer cut, show, they took this <laughs> hard hook and they're like, we're taking the branding off of stuff. So we've got a whole rack of stuff right now that's not branded at all. And then... 
people freaked out a little bit, so they came out with pens and patches where you can put your own pens and patches on stuff. You can Harley it up as hard as you want. Um, but it's kind of a weird thing right now. Do they get feedback from you guys at the dealership level at all? Is that, is that yeah. a conversation that happens? Yes. Okay, she's so, ironic. She, well, Jordan. She's very she, ironic. She's, <laughs> that's her speciality, though, because it's like when I watch her operate, I'm like, um, she does things I don't see a whole lot of other people do. She's very innovative. So she does things, you do this personal shopping thing, right? Yes. Can you explain to me what that is? Um, so for a lot of guys, they don't know what to buy their girls or their girls don't know what to buy their guys. So we keep on hand your sizes, what you like. We know you, we know what we're after. So when it comes to like a birthday or a gift, you call me, we put out the mimosas, we sit in the motor lounge, which we'll have a rug for Thank very you. soon. Good Lord. Um, and we pre-pull everything that we think that you might like. And typically, everything that we've pulled is exactly what you want. So it's so basically the, like having so a stylist. Let me stop right there. That's right what there. I was talking about, yeah. the experience where I was saying, yeah. look, when you buy a Ferrari, you buy a Lamborghini, I know the a Porsche, those kinds of things are things that the four of us at this table may never never even want to do well, or try to do. Well, last time I bought a Lamborghini. Right. But those are the kinds of... It's okay when I switch it up to a Jeep Compass. Those are the kinds of sales experience that I'm talking about where it sets you, you guys apart. And it's yeah. very refreshing to hear that because, like I said, the dealership that's close by me, there's none of that. There's some great people who work there. I've made sure. some really great friends. Yeah, for sure. But, but their turnover is like 200%. That's why I asked you earlier about how that is. I'm going to just say about this. The only difference between dealership from dealership, and I don't care what the brand says, is people. Uh, any management that's out there, listen to this. Take care of your people and create the energy, create the environment that you want. And, and, and I know there's this philosophy of, well, it's my way or whatever way. It's people come to see people. Treat people right. Take care of your team. Everybody talks about it. Take care of the team. But who's really doing it? You know, so it's it's the team first. We can re motorcycles and, and clothing and parts and whatever we can we can do that all day long. Invest in your team and understand what makes them tick. That's the heart of what we do because every dealership sells the same shit. No, that's a very it's good point. Only that's the true. team that makes anything. It's the people, if, it's if, the personalities. Jordan, I look at your team. If it wasn't for Jordan and how she. Um, um, uh, takes care of her team, nurtures her team, then it wouldn't be what it is. It's the same thing with Cole and his team. When when you start, like I've been to more meetings, more seminars, and everybody's like, uh, you know, <laughs> take care of your teams. I'm like, and it was like, okay, you know, sales guys don't hold gross and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here going like, you guys are like doing the complete opposite of what you said you were gonna do. Invest in your people. Yeah. And I believe in your people and promote your people up and take care of them and that's what makes it worth it. I try to explain to people all the time, uh, you guys don't know this, but my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter is 21 and she works with me. She's been with me two years now. I lost my dad two years ago and he was my business partner. Um, my daughter is now, I mean, effectively, she's a third generation in our motorcycle shop, right? And this yep. is what she wants to do. I tell her all the time, like, well, I don't tell her this anymore because now she's in. But I said, <laughs> look, you don't have to do this. You understand that you don't have to do this. And she's like, why do you keep telling me that? You quit telling me that. And I'm like, well, because I want you to understand that I want you to be happy. That's, mm -hmm. You know, that's what I want for both of my children is to be happy. 
Um, but I try to explain to people all the time, because I've been a manager since mm-hmm. I was 19. A manager should always be looking for their replacement. And yes. the reason why I say that is because you can't move up if you can't justify to your organization right. exactly. that you have cultivated and nurtured somebody so that they can take your spot. And on exactly. top of that, managers should lift people, not beat them down. No, managers, you're completely managers right. Managers should lift people. Your, your job, yes, is to get results through other people, hence you're a manager, but it's not to beat them down. It's to lift them and, and, and train them and help them be successful. Now, the only part that we can't control is super philosophy is that I cannot train people's work ethic. It's inherently no. in them. Yeah. But if you are coachable and you are trainable, then we owe it to our team to give them everything we got. It's so expensive to replace an God, employee. Yes. Oh, and it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Well, a lot. let's take away the part where you have to sit somebody down and say, listen, you can't be here anymore. Paperwork. But it's so expensive. <laughs> To, in, to invest in somebody and give them the tools necessary yep. to do yeah. the, the job that There's you need so to do. There's so many little things. People don't quit their jobs. People quit their bosses. I agree with that. That's our philosophy yeah. here. They don't quit. People don't quit their job. Ooh, they quit their philosophies. Bo- well, <laughs> philosophies. we have all the philosophies. He's a philosophizer. Oh, boy. <laughs> I was gonna say that. But this is this is it's very important because you're talking about top-down managerial like mm-hmm. mantras and. Just like you said, like you, you know, you have your people that you work with in your department. You have you people, or your people that you, you work with. People, you people. Yeah, right? <laughs> you have people that you work with in your department, mm-hmm. right? And everybody's accountable to somebody above them. Mm-hmm. But what they don't understand is that they're also accountable to somebody below them. Absolutely, right? Sure. So you, you manage up, you manage down, and you manage. Um, Sideways laterally, <laughs> but wow. laterally, everybody yeah. has the same goals, right? Do I mean, that's what makes pokey, it a problem. Shake you all about. And, yeah, got it. I shake you by the face. Yeah. It, but that's, like I said, it is the, the coolest last couple of years for us is that I don't want people to be yes people to myself or to my other managers. Challenge us. And if we have opportunity to grow, I think we grow, right? We're not here to say that we know it all because we don't. We sh- I'm asking, uh, I think for, for me, I'm like, hey, Jordan, what do you think about this? Hey, Ryan, what do you think about this? I don't know. It's like th- when, when the team gets together and starts thinking and working together and challenging each other in a positive direction, what we do is magical. Well, there's a certain That's amount of fellowship that has to awesome. occur in a yeah. corporate environment in order for it to be organically um positive right yeah. i mean for the for the actual for, for the the aura of the room to be positive because i can remember when i first started selling cars the first sales meeting i ever went to was in a room like this and there's yeah. all these salespeople, and there's this guy that i never met and he's pounding <laughs> pounding his fist on the desk i'm like what is happening yeah. right now i've never really? had anybody how many bikes did you sell last month how I many you sell last month yeah, yeah you're only as good as your go last go sale is what they would five, tell us all the time I'll do 10. i not know and how people, yeah it's that's what you, Perfect. Yeah. I don't know what you don't know, and you exactly. don't know what I don't know because I don't know that you don't know. I, if it were me, I'm not really right. sure what just happened right there. I just feel like I just got like in, I just got Bugs Bunny into yeah. something. But the funny thing is that like when you put together a team and everybody's willing to help each other succeed, that's the magic. What's the number one quality you're looking for when you're looking for a new team member? What is the um, one thing that you're looking at? 
A willingness to learn, I would say. A and how, and how, as a manager and as a general manager, somebody mm -hmm. that's been in this business for so long, mm -hmm. how do you how do you pull how do you extract that from from an interview? It, it's funny. I think we all look for the same thing, right, Jordan? We look for a positive attitude. Yeah. Um, a willingness to learn. Um, it's really weird. You can tell when you sit I with somebody. So. Generally, you can <clears throat> tell there inevitably will be one that slips through. <laughs> yeah, there's those. There's always those qualifying questions you ask somebody, and and you listen for that answer. And if you're listening to understand, not listening to respond. Uh, I will find, oh, I just struck a nerve with somebody. Yeah. I will find, one of the things I learned as a salesperson, that find if you give time. somebody, you, people will tell you everything you want to know if you're willing to listen. Yep. Yeah. And there are those people that keep things very close to the, to the vest, and you have to extract them from them in one way or another. It's just like before this interview when we were sitting down and you're like i don't know what we're gonna do we're like how is this gonna work what is this gonna be and it's like it's just gonna be a conversation between four people that have like-minded goals mm -hmm. i'm very interested obviously all four of us are here because we love harley davidson motorcycles yep. right yep but i'm interested in learning more about the how the dealership culture works because it's the one thing in this industry that i will tell you is blocked and, and hear me out on this mm -hmm. I go every single year to Daytona for a week. Mm -hmm. I go every single year to Sturgis for a week. And you know who I don't get to, and I get to meet everybody in the industry. I'm friends with Corey Ness. Mm -hmm. I'm friends with Jeff Zielinski who owns NAMS and Badlands. Sure. I'm friends with Corey Souza who builds bikes down in Sarasota. I never get to make friends with people who work at dealerships yeah. because you guys are not allowed, you people, are not allowed. <laughs> you people are not allowed because of the way your what your business model is, yeah. and and for, I don't get to spend any quality time with you where we're breaking bread yeah. and we're having a good time at Sturgis. And and I would say if I had one other thing that I would give to a dealership, as I would say, a dealership should take should build some sort of a performance meritocracy kind of thing where they take four people that work in their dealership, one from each department, one from motor clothes, one from parts one from sales and one from service and make those folks go to Sturgis. Make those folks go to Daytona. You don't have to pay them for it, but let them go mm -hmm. and let them experience. No, say pay me for it. <laughs> Are you, you're you're yes. picking this up right you, now, yeah? No, no, hear me out. Hear me out on this. I'm I, saying. I like where he's going with this. Me too. So that you get to understand how fucking amazing those events are and how fucking amazing it is to know people in that circle and how it would change the way you would come back with a different i'm i'm leaving here tonight with a much different set yeah. of like what these guys of, do when we do um whether it be small promotions or big promotions the amount of activity the, the amount that this staff does is phenomenal. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. you already told me in here that an average workday for these folks, yeah. even if they're only here eight hours, they're doing more things outside of that. And oh, they're they're going to yes. be here more than that. But this yes. is this is really I try to encourage people. Like, this is not a job that you punch a clock at nine o'clock no. and you punch out at seven o'clock or six o'clock and you're done with it. It's just no. not. That we kind wish of, it. In a lot of respects, I think we. I wish don't it want it to be. Do you want it to be? Do you I, really I, want to really shut it don't. off? No, not really, because. I mean, we all have family. We all have things that we want to do. You guys are saying, yeah, yeah, we want to shut it off. Hey, nobody could hear us. I'm laughing because it's like 
We say this, but ironically, none of us have to be here right now. Have you texted right? Rich that after work? After oh, work God. hours? <laughs> have you texted? So do you see what I'm saying with that? It's like, so you don't get to say that you, you want to shut off. Here's the deal. I'm going to ask you a really, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to answer it honestly. Sure. Is this the type of dealership that one of your employees, if, if they've accrued seven days of or five days of vacation, that they mm. can take that vacation and not worry about their job not being here when they go home? Oh, God, yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because I've worked at dealerships where it wasn't that way. And it was in the car business. Yeah. But you would come home to a very different... You know sometimes your desk you would be moved. This question, sometimes your state... are the ones... I think Jordan's my biggest advocate. She's like, take some time off. Um, so here's true story, and hopefully you're okay with Here me saying go. this. <laughs> okay, this is a testament to this team and why this dealership is so special. Jordan had to deal with some medical things, things that I don't think the, the strongest man I know would have dealt with properly. I, I said, take the next two weeks off. Don't worry about anything. We got you covered. I think she came back to work four days later to prove a point to me and she <laughs> sat in a meeting I'm like I'm looking at her going what are you doing here go home I told you I'd be back and I'm like we knew you would be back now go home Jordan <laughs> Jordan do you honestly love your job I do what is the what is the, what is the best part about your job and, and you don't have to say like a person what it's like, the, like it's just the whole environment like we are the weirdest dysfunctional family on the planet and even we joke about oh yeah we want to go home no, we lock the doors and we go hang out. Yeah. Like we hang out with the, my friends are here. My I don't have a lot of friends outside of here. My work family is my family. But the funny thing and is, you know, how many people do you person like you know, and like you're like me in a lot of regards, and just prettier and younger. For me, way it's like, younger. <laughs> for the record. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so here's the fucked up thing, right? We do what we do, but we choose to socialize who we want to socialize with. I've, like, my biggest, pr proudest moments are the moments that this team works 14 hours together. We are tired, we're beat up, and we, we don't always agree. Jordan and I do not always agree on what? shit. <laughs> what? Am I right? <laughs> we don't. There's days you, like, um, the one thing about Jordan, she's... Uh, Ruggate 2020. Ruggate 2020. <laughs> Like, but you bring you brings you back to reality. You know, it's like this is the people we work with, and we don't have to agree Stop. with everybody. I'm watching the meter go. That's what makes me so proud to come to work and be like, Jordan's gonna be there. My day's gonna be all right. Or Cole's gonna be there. I'm gonna laugh today. Um, so Jordan is in, in, in case of emergency, break glass, right? She's to some degree. <laughs> yes. She's a right? 1,000 you know I mean? person. You are, uh, what do you call those knives at uh, the... Like a Leatherman? Uh, yeah. A Swiss Army knife, Swiss, Swiss, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, she, gotta, she can do a everything. The toothpick, the tweezers, the spoon, jo the floor. Jordan can run <laughs> the dealership if she wanted to. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> how, how long have you been here? I've been here for almost three years, but yeah. I've worked for Harley for 17. Just... Different dealership. Okay, so you've, but you've always been in the dealership world, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to ask. I want to ask you guys a, a, a difficult question to answer, mm -hmm. because this is something that we've talked about the aftermarket. We've talked about your role in the dealership. We've talked about mm -hmm. the positive things that have gone in here. There is a belief in the aftermarket 
and this is just this could be a rumor. This is like fake news. Dun, dun, dun. But <laughs> that Harley comes in here and says a certain per- you can't have the drag catalog. You can't have the custom chrome catalog. You can't have Dixon flannels. You mm-hmm. can't. Well, we have all of it. So that's, does that answer you know, your but, question? But I'm just saying. I mean, so is, is that it, what this is? is? That's, that's a myth. That's not true. Harley understands the symbiotic relationship between um, aftermarket and, and the dealership. They get that. You're See, there's talking a, about dealerships making policy versus the motor company making policy. So and the motor a, company doesn't make, make a whole lot, lot of policy, policy like that anymore. Like nope. for me to bring in another helmet company and to bring in another leather company, and if we can quantify it to say, hey, we're reaching a different demographic. Yeah, and the motor company in. was like, neat, you made a good decision. Yeah. See, you guys. That's what I'm saying. You've been 17 years. You've been 27 years, you said? <laughs> All right, let's not go there. <laughs> but but yes, enough time. And you've been at other time. manufacturers, but this is your first foray at, at Harley-Davidson, right? And right. how long have you been here? <clears throat> Going on a year. Okay, so taking that all in and me being, uh, you know, 18 years plus into the aftermarket, Yep. That is that is something that is parroted. On a regular basis, mm-hmm. that sucks. That we believe that we we are we are led to believe that Harley doesn't want us, doesn't see us as valuable, doesn't understand that we do as much. And, and I feel like we that do. That sucks because, and I really like I I'm personally offended by that. I am upset. Well, I don't want you to be offended. I'm not <laughs> well, trying to I'm offend you. What I'm saying is my that whole we career. Feel... I've been doing this for my whole career. But what I don't I'm know saying... another job. And I supported, like, I was involved in aftermarket. Motor company's direction has, that sucks if that's the aftermarket's perception because that's not a reality with the motor company. Well, so what I'm saying is, is Mm -hmm. that the perception is a reality and that's how we've been made to feel and that's how we've been led to believe. God, that sucks. So it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be offensive. It's meant to feel like Not not what we do. Yeah, but what we've dealt with even, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Well, yes, I can, and yes, this we is can. why. Yes, we can. So it's not only outside, it's also inside. There's been a big turn we in the last it, five years we feel on in what the we aftermarket. can and can't do. I like see your we point. have I contributed yeah. at a very high level mm-hmm. at keeping customers happy because not everybody can buy a brand new motorcycle. No. Right? I'm an aftermarket fan. Well, and I I'm appreciate about that, but but what I'm saying is, is there's the symbiosis that you've talked about yeah. on, on a number of occasions during this podcast is not something that is uh, from from our optics looking in that makes me feel really good, and I'm going to share that information, and, and I, people are going to hear it on this podcast, and you know, and hopefully this is this is the start to a, a very good relationship. I think the motor company understands this. I think that, that, and I've talked to a lot of motor company people. In, they understand the, the how important the aftermarket is. It to, would just to, be nice to, to hear the, that once in a while. We feel like a stepchild. That sucks. That's how man. I. That's how that, I. That's, that's the only way I know how to explain it. I'm not trying to be because like. I think the you're not a stepchild. You're a bonus yeah. child. <laughs> oh, wait, I've been a stepmom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know, on behalf that was awesome. of the motor company, I'm going to say we're sorry for making the aftermarket world feel that way because that sucks. That's not 
That's not the intention of it. We would love to be able to work with the dealership. And, and yeah. I'm speaking for everybody in my cohort group and everybody in my peer group. <laughs> we love going to the dealerships. We love new Harley Davidson's. Yeah. We love the motor clothes. We love everything about it. I mean, you know, we clown on the dude who's got a little bit too many, you know. We all clown on too that. Too much we stuff call that a Power on. Ranger. <laughs> yeah. You guys call them Power Rangers? Yeah, when yeah. you match yourself head to toe in Harley gear and match it to your bike, you're a Power Ranger. That's awesome. I love it. They're my favorites. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I had a guy, this is, this happened, like, you know, we still get new customers. And when we get new customers, we're just as excited about getting a new customer as you guys are. And we had a new customer come into the shop a couple months ago and he comes in and he's, you know, he comes in with like a pair of jogging shorts and a mm -hmm. baseball cap and a white t-shirt. And he's like talking to me. He's like, Hey, you know, I want to get my motorcycle worked on, blah, 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 blah. You know, I've heard about you guys, whatever. And he comes, I'm like, yeah, go get it and come back. You know, he comes back an hour later. He's got leather boots, leather chaps. <laughs> leather this, leather this. I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy went home and put a fucking costume on to ride his bike exactly. three and a half miles yes. to get his whole fucking oil changed. It was awesome. He power rangered awesome. the shit. Did, but though. there is a picture. If you go to my Instagram feed right now, Speed Metal Built, you will see my Power Ranger picture. I have the patchwork vest with the hog patch. Stop. And the jeans I told you about earlier, my favorite Harley yes. jeans on, and my Harley boots next to my 2003 Harley Sportster. It's fucking <laughs> priceless, dude. Hang on, we're going. Speed we're Metal going. Built, all one you word. I move slow. <laughs> What's that iPhone? On, what is that? Let's iPhone go. 8? I, listen, this one's got custom damage on it. What was your first bike, Richie? Uh, my I think I, no I Harley. Think, first Harley. First Harley. Uh, the, I I still own that bike. It's oh, a, for God's sake! Two thousand one Softail Deuce. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> is that? Oh, okay. So they <laughs> found the photo. <laughs> Something else. Oh yeah, that one's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I try to fill my hey, Instagram man. feed with as much tomfoolery as I can. How far back? Oh, 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 oh. It's not far back. <laughs> so. Well, listen, oh, that's amazing. I want to thank you guys all for, for having me in here. This is awesome. I hope we can do this again very soon. Is Richie cutting us off? Did he I shut think, us down? Did I you think, just <laughs> shut us down? I think I, we're I not a, done. We're getting the, white, you can go home. See you later. We're, get, we're getting the we're getting the oh, no yeah, moss. Oh, yeah, the yeah, no yeah. moss signal from no, Richie. We're no, we're not done. We're, we're still great. talking How shit. How is the podcast going to go on? For we're, we're actually, honestly, if you let us go another minute and a half yeah. or two and a half I'm minutes. Not, if you stop screaming at everybody. He is banging his fist and screaming at us. He was like, wrap it up. Let's make this thing go away. You guys can stay as long as you want. Oh, so, did you just? <laughs> uh, well, he he bowed out. He just oh, I'm done with you. Are you on Instagram? I am. What is your Instagram? I just handle? followed you. Um, I am what on, is Instagram, on says Instagram. Miss Herndon, if you're nasty. <laughs> and Miss Herndon, if you're nasty. Yeah, I'll take one more. And, and what yeah, are you on Instagram? I you am, better yeah. be. You I have, am. You have a podcast on Twitch. You said so. It's. Am, am I allowed to do a little bit of self promo? Absolutely. Here? Okay. Please self promo um, away. I'm trying to avoid the cloud on this one. So I, uh, I started streaming on Twitch as a, as a gamer. I've been playing video games my whole life. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that's very dangerous when it comes to money because I've got several several hobbies, and gaming is one of them. So I decided to turn it into a little bit of uh, the stream. So I started off gaming, and then I found the, uh, the just chatting section on Twitch, which is, you know, there's no games. You know, there's all kinds of things to do in there. But one of the things that I like to do was involve other streamers uh, for the exposure and, you know, for them help them grow, and we would talk about anything and everything. Um, some things I can't say on here. It's you just, can say anything on here, it's ex it's explicit. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the stuff that we talked about on, on that podcast, you know, were, were 
questionable to the terms of service, but we never actually breached it. But it, it turned into this whole community that, you know, was just, it, it wasn't just me talking to a screen with people chatting to me. It was other streamers involved in themselves, uh, you know, building off of each other's community. It was kind of like a, a weird pyramid stepping ladder sure. thing to where we just hung out, drank beer, talked shit, had fun. And uh, I've been doing it now for two years, and it, it's been it's been a great amount of fun. Cool. Um, and where can where can people find you? At? For some gratuitous self promotion, where can people find you? So if you go to Twitch, my name is Rip Rev Zero Eight. Uh, name I, it was one of those things where uh, my nickname at work is Rev. Um, okay. And people always ask me like, "Oh, are you a reverend?" And one day, as a joke. I was standing around a bunch of people, and it was a younger guy that asked me the question. He's like, oh, are you a reverend? And I said, yes. He goes, what church? Because I am too. I was like, ah, hell. You always <laughs> hate for that to happen. Well, right? like, yeah. it, it, was, it went off as a joke, and I was like, no, it's not actually where it comes from. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician myself. I play all kinds of instruments, and one of the main instruments that I played was the drums. And I'm uh, a drummer. Are you really? Yeah. So uh, you're familiar with Rev from Avenged Sevenfold? I'm not a huge Avenged Sevenfold I, fan. But I'm not I mean, anymore. Uh, the, the reason the Rev... Didn't he pass away? In 2009. Yeah, I was going to say. And the reason he was such an idol for me was because he wrote 90% of their music, in my opinion. You know, And whenever he passed away, they lost a huge chunk of their creativity. Again, this is all my opinion. Some people will agree to disagree with me on this one. But whenever he passed away, uh, he was my idol whenever it came to getting started in music. So my name, Rip Robo 8, comes from, you know, okay. Recipe's Rev. Okay, very good. Yeah. So if you want to find me on Twitch, it's RipRev08. Uh, Instagram is TV, RipRev08. Pretty much anything, RipRev08, you'll find me. Cool. <laughs> well, man, I appreciate you sitting down and doing this with me tonight. And I'd like to have you on again, you I'm know, when I get time. this mobile studio coming up. Or you can come over to my studio in Lakeland, mm -hmm. and uh, we can we can chop it up a little bit more. And, and honestly, I mean, it. I think we're off to a good start here uh, with building a relationship between, you know, I didn't realize that it would be so harmonious to try to sit down with somebody at the dealership. I've really been kind of avoiding it for, for a lot of reasons for a lot of years, because we have been made to feel in the aftermarket that we didn't matter, that we were kind of the, the odd man out. And mm -hmm. so it's good to have some, to tr start to build some, some synergy with, with folks that work inside the dealership, so I started off in the car industry with dealerships, and that that's that's my very background sour too. sour taste in my mouth. I was very anti dealership. It was always if there's more than one store, I don't want to go to it. You know, if, if if it's franchised, I want nothing to do with that store. And yeah. that's how I went for a long time until I came here, and I didn't know that this was this was owned by the Furman Group until my interview. Right. I had no idea because whenever I came in here the first time. A day early for my interview, you know, everybody was cool. I'll tell you guys because Richie's not here. I applied <laughs> here a couple years ago. We were going to, I was going through some things and we decided we were going to close the location that I have. And we had gotten really small. We had shrunk down. I went from two stores to one. And I was teaching high school and I was doing kind of a, oh you know, God, kind what's of, that yeah, like? It was, it's actually very good. Are you okay? Yeah. I was teaching auto shop. So uh, it wasn't terrible, right? right? But, um, I, mean, that's I never got go. a call back and I was blown away that I never got a call back. Just me. 
what I was just really surprised because I thought, you know, with the, the, the extensive dealership history that I had and the extensive aftermarket I had had, I thought that this would have been a good place. And it sounds like you guys are in a really good space and, I, and I'm happy for you both. I'm also very happy that I didn't get a call back because I'm very happy with where I'm at now, especially now that I have a, my daughter's working in the industry with That's me. That's awesome. That. So, yeah, it's that very cool, cool to work with my daughter. My oldest day. daughter actually thinks that she owns this place, although she is five years old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whenever I first applied here, um, it took them a while to call me back because the position that I applied for was originally in the parts department. And generally, mm -hmm. parts speaking doesn't have a huge turnaround. A lot of people will, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it generally don't have a huge uh, turnaround. Turnover. So I, I, never, I never got a call. And, you know, I, I expected that because that out in Texas, dealerships. You're from Texas? I'm originally from here, moved to Texas for what years. Part? Uh, here or in Texas? Texas. I started off in Dallas, and I went to Midland to work in the oil field. No shit. My best friend lives in Abilene. No, he works really? in the oil field. Yeah, you've probably heard of him. It's Co Cody Childress. He's a very he's won the FXR show twice and the Dynamixer once. In the last five years, he's won the FXR show in Sturgis two times plus the Dyna show. Uh, so, if it had anything to do with Harley before this year, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I went to. Uh, so I'm, I'm a huge MotoGP fan. Okay. Um, and you have, we have Circuit of the Americas down in Austin. <clears throat> and before that event starts, before MotoGP goes to Circuit, uh, they have a show down there called the Handbuilt Motorcycle yeah, Show. Yeah, I know of it very well. And I went down there, and I saw some of the coolest bikes in the world. And um, that was my first, I guess, introduction into some of the more obscure motorcycles. And it was crazy to see how many people were still running around. There's on, some great builders down there in Texas. It, yeah, and, it, and they're all literally You guys got to come to my show. The show I'm we're down. doing, dude, we've got we've got 15 pro builders coming, several from Texas. Um, one of my buddies, are you a Buck Cherry fan at all? I know one song by them. Well, Crazy Bitch. Hey, exactly. You're a crazy bitch. Well, my buddy was their drummer for 16 years. Really? And oh, he's, nice. a, he's a professional bike builder now. Xavier Muriel from Providence Cycle Works. That's awesome. He's one of our invited builders. He'll be there. And um, Cody from Whoville Speed and Custom will be there. We've got, it's going to be a very big show. It's, it's very good. We've got a fantastic venue, but we'd love to have you guys over there. Yeah, for I'm sure. Down. Hit me up. I'll get you guys some VIP stuff because we're going to do some partying and stuff. So, well, All right. Well, we're, we're going to wrap it up here. Oh, I let, we'll, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. He's a little back. ASMR. Let everybody sleep. Bedtime story. Bedtime story. Please no. Play uh, that. Have Richard. you ever heard that? Um, go to fuck to sleep. Yes, I have the <laughs> <a> book. <laughs> I thought it was way cooler than my kids did. Richie, thank you for having me over here, man. I really this appreciate it. This was dude. fun. I enjoyed the shit out of myself. So when can we do it again? Tomorrow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but during work hours, not going after work. No. <laughs> during work hours? During oh, work hours. Oh, yeah. Your phone rings no, so many times. Richie, that's, that's 801. Richie, 801. Yeah. Cole, you have somebody in the showroom. Oh, my God. I'm done. <laughs> Jordan, someone to motor clothes, please. Someone lost their sunglasses. <laughs> On a boat two years ago? On a boat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sore subject for me. I'm okay, though. You, you're not on any social media, are you, Richie? He I is on Facebook because he's 50. Well, oh, oh. Right, that oh, makes yeah, sense, right. right? The only people on Facebook are... Right? Do you guys have an Instagram page for the dealership? We do. Is Brandon Harley-Davidson. Okay. It, so it does. It does work. <laughs> it yes. does. Who runs it? Uh, not me. Not it, It's run by not me? It's uh, run by the upstairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. We need... 
We need to do this more often. Yes, this I think we do. This was good. I find it interesting. Yeah, I'm right. I'm just trying to understand here. I'm just trying to understand why we're not doing this every day. I don't know what to do with my hands. Right <laughs> I don't know that you don't know because I don't know that you don't yeah, know. Yeah, you blew, you my, you blew everybody's mind with that one. Yeah. So. It was a real Wait Jack until he says that to you very thing. serious in a morning meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Where's oh, all the rum? Why is the rum always gone? Okay, great. All right, anything else, folks? I love you, Richard. <laughs> You're okay, too. I love you. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Ah! Ah. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Power Wheels podcast with your host, Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.